Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Holy cow, we have so much to get to today. I feel bad for saying that in episodes past because this might... I don't want to... I don't, I don't want to say this lightly, but this might be our lo- most loaded show that we've ever had. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you say that every show. I know, but consider this. Here's what we got coming for, for everybody today. We've got Justin Fields transferring, which... He's announcing it on the podcast today. He's going to come on, yeah. Um, thank you, Justin Fields, for uh, letting that, or whoever let that leak right after we recorded on Monday, of course. That's yeah, that was... the way that always works. We're going to hit on that first. We're obviously going to hit on a ton of early signing period uh, stuff with uh, some of the winners and losers from the day, some of the big headlines, some of the viral stuff, and all-name team. Oh, and by the way, just in case that wasn't enough, we got an interview with Kirk Herbstreet. And what, what? you made him laugh probably a dozen times. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you, man. That's, I mean, it's a pretty banner day for me. Yeah, a uh, little little peel behind the onion. We recorded that bright and early on, what was that, on Tuesday. And yeah. we get on the phone, and you're, like, yawning through our entire conversation. I'm like, Marlo, like, you ready to go? This is, like, this is freaking Herb Street. Let's let's get up. Let's get – I was trying to suck you up. I was, I was definitely ready. And you were ready to go. You were ready to go. For, forgive me for underestimating you. It's about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Uh, before we do all of that, though, have to talk to you guys about our friends over at Sweet Hop. There is nothing more exciting than seeing your team in action at a bowl game. The buzz in the atmosphere as the team takes the field is electric. As we come to the end of the season, top SEC teams have been selected for bowl games all over the country. Will you be there cheering your team on to victory? Um, I don't have a team, so I won't be. But uh, Did you know that you can not only attend a bowl game, but also do it in style? Thanks to our friends at Sweet Hop, getting your seat in a suite during bowl season has never been easier. Sweet Hop has the best suites. In the stadium available at the Orange Bowl at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, where you will be, the Sugar Bowl uh, at Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, and the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. There has never been a better way to see your team from the luxury of a private suite. View availability and pricing at SweetHop.com today. After the season's over, SweetHop also has you covered year-round with amazing access to suites and stadiums and arenas throughout North America. All right. The big news that came down this week... Out of Athens, Dan Wolken first reported this. Your guy, oh gosh. Justin Fields, is leaving Georgia after just one season there, the former five-star quarterback. Um, so Wolken comes out and, and reports this, and then we find out, um, you know, Andy Staples tweeted the, you know, he had the, the story about how uh, Justin Fields might be able to get immediate eligibility if he petitions for a waiver from the NCAA because of this this incident that happened at the Tennessee game where a Georgia baseball player shouted a racist slur at him and the Georgia baseball player was kicked off the team. Um, and then also the Toledo Blade and ESPN reporting that Justin Fields could have interest in Ohio State. So just just in case, you know, we, we didn't get enough news this time of year, this was a, a bombshell. And I think that uh, Twitter had a good time reacting to all this. Your initial reaction, I know this is kind of three days removed, but what was your initial reaction to hearing all this? So... I had just finished setting up all my topics and discussion things uh, for the Facebook Live on Monday and printed off everything, had my little outline. All these things were, were ready to go. I was really excited. And I get on there at 8 o'clock. This like broke at like 7.50. And the first thing that said is Justin Fields is transferring. I was like, no, we've been over this. It's not going to happen. There's no reason for him to transfer. Little did you know. And 
and then they kept, like people kept saying it. I was like, is this is this really happening? And then yeah, so I found out with everyone else. So like people people broke news to you, which is always yeah, great. Exactly. Um, and it, it was. And so Kirby Smart is trying to say, you know, that um, Justin Fields is apparent. Like this is nothing's official yet, even though he has put in. Right. He's officially in the the transfer portal for the NCAA, which makes it basically official that he's allowed to talk to to other teams and whatnot. And Kirby said that Justin Fields is going to be playing in the bowl game. That's the plan, tentatively speaking, which is weird in itself. Yeah. Um. But that uh, they're still trying to get him to come back, but apparently he is set on on transferring and. You know, we ran through. So let's first, before we get into, before we get into the teams and where where this could make sense, let's just kind of back up and talk about the origins of this because I think to the average person, and the average Georgia fan is looking at this and saying, "Wow, total twenty first century story." Justin Fields right. leaving after only a year, five star quarterback, not happy. There was a stat thrown out about how like eleven of the eighteen five-star quarterbacks since 2011 have transferred, uh, which right. which is bonkers. And obviously, you know, Jacob Eason did so uh, at Georgia after Jake Fromm takes over in the beginning of last season. But my problem is 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 along those lines, but, and, and I'm not here to like preach, you know, a kid needs to stay at a school all four years. Obviously, this is all about playing time. I just don't get what Justin Fields thought was going to happen. That's, yeah, I completely agree. Also, we need to touch on this real quick. There's a, a newspaper called the Toledo Blade. Yeah, isn't that a cool name? No. The Blade. Right. Yeah, the Blade. yeah, I work at the Blade, man. Wait, what that is that? Like what is that? like a cartoon. Um, anyway, yeah, the field's like, like I, we talked about something over the summer, and there was a former four-star linebacker. It might have been, I don't think it's the kid that ended up going to Bama, but he wanted to transfer out from uh, A&M to go elsewhere. And he kind of, I don't want to say he lied. Oh, the, the Arizona kid. And then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. And kind of stretched the truth on, you know, him being mistreated about his, like, medical issues while he was, at, you know, at school. So, basically, he wouldn't have to sit out a year. And we talked about how dangerous that was because it can open the door to yep. a lot of this happening. And I'm not saying that's what's happening with Fields, but I don't feel like it's that far off. I mean, agreed. What, what did he think was going to happen? If he was going to go into the situation, you had a true freshman quarterback who just led Georgia to a national championship game, who was also a former five-star. Like, you, you both can't be on the field at the same time. In Fields' mind, the, the Tua situation might have thought that, might have made him think that this could happen for him and this could work out in his favor. But at the same time, I feel like the Tua situation should have been your, okay, I need to be patient with this thing because look how good Tua was and look how dominant he was. And every, all the reports were during right. his freshman season, he was outplaying Jalen Hurts in practice and he still got to play late in games. But goodness, the guy didn't start a single game his freshman year. And But this is also, that's a different, I mean, like not saying Tua is better than Fields or because like Fields is ranked higher coming out of high school. But Jake Fromm is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. And I think, so, I, and I think there was some doubt on Justin Fields I, with that. And right. I think so. I threw this out on on social media on Monday night. Just at, at the root of this, there was some thought in Fields' mind throughout the course of this season where it clicked, and he realized, you know what, Jake Fromm's a better player than I thought. And getting this starting job, whether he leaves next year after the 2019 season and goes to the NFL, or if Jake Fromm does stay for his senior year, 
it's going to be a lot more difficult than I thought. And maybe maybe right. some of that is, oh, he feels like the coaching staff is just giving Jake Fromm too much love. But how could the coaching staff not give Jake Fromm love? Because the guy's the third best quarterback rating in the country. Well, he, I mean, there's... I'm not going to argue and say that they didn't misuse Justin Fields this season. But they did to a certain extent. To a certain right. extent. But he also played in 12 or 13 games. Right. And, yeah, again, if you're coming into the situation as a huge, huge prospect, like either number one or number two overall, depending on which site you looked at, in the entire country, regardless, there is a true freshman, also five-star quarterback, that just finished his first year at UGA. So there's no way you can go into that, and, and there's no way Kirby went into you know, the field home and was like, you know what, you're going to start right away. I mean, I guarantee you said he could compete for the position, but Jake Fromm's a really good quarterback. So I don't understand why, why now, first off, why you transfer now after the season when you're most likely going to have to sit out a year but he might not. But he might not. And that's that's yeah. the that's, that's the thing. And and you know if if not to say that we're we're not taking this issue lightly. And you know racism in sports that there's no right. place for that. But let's be honest. If Justin Fields does get that waiver, I mean, let's let's just throw away the process and let the kids just go wherever they want to go because you you basically just need a strongly worded letter to the NCAA at this point to let them play because they don't want to go down that hole. They don't want to try and decide what's racist, what's not racist. The Georgia baseball player was kicked off the team. So if that's open and this is on the table. Also, didn't he say it in in the stands? Said it from the stands, yeah. Right. So, and I'm not, again, not trying to dismiss it or discount like how serious of of an issue that is and how wrong it is to say that. But at the same time, I feel like it would have been a bigger issue before now because it's not some, from everything I've understood, especially with Georgia fans, this is not how most people view him as, or talk about him, like, talking about Justin Fields. Everyone loves him. Like, the fan base has been crying for most of the year for him to start over from. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. There was a viral clip of Justin Fields that resurfaced, the one, and I'm sure everybody's seen it on social media by now, but it was after the South Carolina game. Where, you know, there were some expletives in there. He basically said, more or less, you know, I didn't do anything. I, I handed the ball off real good. And, right. and it's like, dude, what, what what do you expect, man? It's the second game of the year. It was the, the second game of the year, though. So that, that also bothered me, like, why that came out at the time that it came out. Because it's the second game of the year. The kid's 18 years old. He also was in that game late in the fourth quarter taking snaps. Like, I, I mean, I don't... What else did you want? I get you that. You guys were up by 24 points. <laughs> I get that competitor, and it's tough for us to put our, our, our ourselves in, in Justin Fields' position. And I don't want to sit here and, and preach about a kid, you know, not going through the right thought process and all that because, you know, from our end, that, that sounds terrible, and, right. and everybody knows that take by now. But to me, this is just this, – this situation was only going to work if, if Justin Fields went in with the, the exact perfect mindset. And if there was anything other than that – this, this was never going to last where both of these quarterbacks were going right. to be able to last on this roster. So, And and to be clear, like I don't think it's a bad move on his part. Like I, I'm not judging his decision for, for leaving the team at all. Because you know if he's going to get a chance to play, especially right away, yeah, go do that. Because you don't want to sit behind Fromm, especially if Fromm doesn't go pro for the next, you know, what, two years, I guess. So I totally get that like from his, from his side. But again, it just goes back to like, what what did you think was going to happen? Exactly. Like, I, I don't. And but the good news for Georgia fans, and I'm I'm not just saying this to be sarcastic. 
this could be like a blessing in disguise because now you don't have to deal with all of the drama, all of like the, I don't want to say like split locker room, but if, you know, when something goes wrong, the first thing that, that usually happens is people start questioning why are they losing? They start like finding someone to blame and you don't want to have a divided locker room. You don't want to have any of that kind of stuff going into the off season or into next season. And you've got Jake Fromm and now you just added a couple quarterbacks in this current signing class by, yeah. Oh, by the way, flipping uh, an Ohio state commit. We'll get, to, right. we'll get to that a little bit later, but uh, real quick, just to put a bow on this field stuff, where he ends up is going to be a storyline that dominates college yeah. football headlines for the next couple of weeks. And maybe maybe he makes this decision really, really soon. Early reports suggest that Ohio State is indeed the favorite. Ohio State, we don't even know, though, if Dwayne Haskins is going pro officially. Now, keep, he's it, going pro. keep in mind, yes, we, we assume that he's going pro. But there was a report that, that came out that Dwayne Haskins apparently asked Ohio State running back Mike Weber to come back for another year. So that, that 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 possibility is is not a guarantee just yet. So I, right. I don't think Justin Fields is that's my way of saying I don't think Justin Fields is going anywhere until we get some clarity on that situation. Oklahoma. And Oklahoma to me would make the most sense, right? Yeah, without a doubt. I, I mean he would he would kill it in that offense. I you know, I did a sort I did uh, you know, the the places that I thought would be the best fits for for Justin Fields. And, you know, I kind of joked if I'm like, I picture the scenario where Lincoln Riley is sitting in this big mahogany armchair and he brings Justin Fields into his <laughs> office, and on one shoulder is Baker Mayfield's Heisman, and on the other shoulder is Kyler Murray's, and he's like, So, you want to make it a hat trick? And like, that. and like, that, that's the ultimate the recruiting pitch for him right now, as you've been a head yeah. coach for two years and you've had two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. And I think Justin Fields, based on what we've seen from that that whole like South Carolina ordeal, he wants to go to a place where he can throw. He's going to get a chance yeah. to throw at Ohio State. Dwayne Haskins threw the ball, what, 473 times this year or something like that. Right. He's going to get that opportunity playing in Ryan Day's offense if that's what he chooses. And then there's the other wrinkle to that of what happens with Tate Martell, a guy who has been seemingly committed yeah. to every Power 5 school in America and would probably look to seek a, a new home. But this situation is just wild, and people are saying to themselves, you know, my, my wife was saying, why, why is there, why, like, what's up with all the buzz about Justin Fields? Like, why, why is everybody so enamored with this person who has yet to really, he's never started a college game, and we freak out about this just because it's a former five-star recruit, number two recruit in the country, and it's a little bit different than if we're just talking about, you know, like Hunter Johnson, who, who left Clemson, was a former five-star right. commit, but he wasn't, you know, a top two in the country. So it's a little bit different when we're talking about a player of Fields' caliber. Yeah. How about Jake Fromm, though? Sending off two separate five-stars. Dang, man. Good for you, man. Dang. Jake Jake from fourth string second baseman. So good for you, Jake. <laughs> let's let's move on to, to signing day because that was what dominated headlines all throughout Wednesday. The SEC dominated. Breaking news. Crazy, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Shocking. Who, who, who would have assumed that? The SEC, uh, as you put this beautiful graphic together on Instagram, go follow us on Instagram, by the way. Uh, we're yes. a great follow. We see we, we have a lot of lot of fun stuff on there. Uh, the SEC had more... Three hours to make that. Did it really? No, no. Oh, I hope not. Uh, the SEC had more top 20 recruiting classes, 10, than the rest of the Power 5 conferences combined. That was a great little tweet thrown out there from uh, from our good friend Peter Burns, uh, as well as the ESPN top. That's in according to the ESPN top 300 rankings. Um, right. So, and then via uh, 24/7 Sports, the SEC had 11 of the top 22 overall classes. All, I, I want to run through some of these bullet points real quick because I, I have a bigger because it wasn't just the like the, the SEC usually dominates National Signing Day. And has a lot of teams ranked in the top 10, top 25, all that good stuff. But the level of dominance this year was crazy. It's it, uh, unprecedented, really. I mean, all, all seven SEC West teams were ranked in the top 20 in, in the ESPN rankings. 
Right. That, that's bonkers. I mean, that that that's doesn't ridiculous. happen. There, there's a reason. So, so my my thing is, you know, I talked about this with uh, with our editors, uh, you know, Chris Wright, and you know, Peter Burns threw this out there too about you know why why there there is this this bias when it comes to SEC and right. people people say there are some people that wonder. I think it was in the athletic story about. You know, um, one conference commissioner said, "I wonder if people just look at the recruiting rankings and nothing else in terms of the games played." It starts with this, though, and it, it, right. there there is something to be said for this. It's it's recruiting rankings, it's national championships, it's draft numbers. Those three pillars are what shape this narrative that the SEC right. is this premier conference. And when it is this lopsided, it's not just oh, three teams in the top six. It's Eleven teams ranked that high, right. and to me, that that was that. That's the big takeaway when you look at a year like this. When you also talk about like like you said, all seven teams in the SEC West ranked in the top twenty. All all six of the first year coaches in the SEC ranked in the top twenty. That is incredible, and it's not just you know the classes as a whole. It's the the talent that they're actually getting, and that's that's the difference I think in. I understand, like you know, the whole SEC bias thing, but they, the like, just top to bottom. No matter if you look at twenty four seven sports, their composite rankings, or if you look at ESPN, the SEC dominated not only the player rankings but also the team rankings. Like we said, on in twenty four seven sports, they have thirty four total composite five stars in the country, right? And twenty nine of them signed. Of those, sixteen are going to the SEC. So basically, almost half. And then you look at like the top one hundred. You have forty three players in the top one hundred are going. To SEC schools, almost half again. It's it's crazy, and and I brought this up a few weeks ago, of how impressed I was from not just like the Bama and, and Georgia classes and all that kind of stuff, but like some of the middle tier teams like Tennessee and South Carolina and and teams like that that are addressing needs with elite talent, not just being like, well, we got to replace D linemen, but you're getting five star defensive linemen. You're getting like for Tennessee, possibly five or two five star offensive tackles. It's it, it's really it was a really really good year for the SEC. Yeah, the the numbers are, are really staggering and I saw a take, you know, Adam Rittenberg uh, kind of who I respect a lot in this business does great work for ESPN. He kind of clapped back at Peter Burns and was like, "Why does the SEC always feel the need to brag about this? Are you kidding me? Every other conference in America if they had numbers this staggering would be bragging about it." I mean, let's let's call it what it is. You you can say that the SEC is arrogant and and yeah, I mean that's true to a certain extent, but let's be honest, if if this was all of a sudden happening to the Pac-12, the Pac-12 is not just putting this at the bottom of a release. I mean, come on. No. Um, and also, it's it's there's a lot to be said for some teams that maximize talent because a lot of people say that, you know, like recruiting rankings don't mean anything. There's a lot of two stars and three stars end up being like Josh Allen for this year. You know, he was a two star recruit. But for the most part, especially over the past half decade, the teams that have won the national championship have been ranked somewhere in the top five in the national recruiting rankings in the years leading up to their national championships because. That's what it takes is elite talent. No doubt about it. There were a lot of big storylines to go around in the SEC. Let's let's look at some of those. Uh, starting, of course, with Bama. Bama finishes the day at number one, contrary to what that person who tweeted at me a week ago saying that I was premature, saying that they were definitely going to finish number one. And yes, it is just day one of the early signing yeah. period, but uh, Bama still does finish the day number one. Uh, three five stars, 22 four stars in this class. And the only three star was probably your favorite player in this class. The number, yeah, number one kicker in the country. Thank God for that. <laughs> um, no, it's a really impressive class. Look, it's it says a lot that they could still finish number one. They're not going to have the greatest class of all time at this point. They will come up short of that. Yeah. Impossible. But like to have three five stars and twenty two 
four stars. I think it's the first time it's happened since like 2008. Um, and that was a class with like Julio Jones and Ingram and Dante Hightower and all that. So it's, it was really impressive. Yeah, meanwhile, Georgia's sitting there at number two. Uh, they miss out on Trey Sanders, but they do end up getting to Kobe Dean. Uh, Georgia's set up to have another absurd class, which all things considered, I mean, the, the depth that we talk about with this roster is right. just going to be insane for, for years and years to come. Uh, I think they had a more impressive class of Bama. We'll get into that in a little in a in the next segment. Oh, fire take! A uh, and M was able to flip a four-star defensive end from Florida State. Big feather in Jimbo's cap, uh, and the Aggies close out at number three, which is up 14 spots from last year. Really incredible if you look at the in-state dominance that Jimbo had in his first full recruiting cycle against Texas, uh, especially following year in which you know the Longhorns were kind of back on the rise, but. Uh, A&M sitting really, really pretty right now. They're going to be oh, yeah. in shape to, to turn that around in a hurry. And a team that we gave we gave some flack to beforehand, Florida. We talked about it the other day and how you know the in-state struggles, that's a major issue if Dan Mullen is not able to turn that around. And then on signing day, he gets three four-star recruits from Lakeland um, to, able to, to finish and close out the, the class really strong. Uh, Keon Zipperer, who we're going to talk about a little bit later for another reason, <laughs> Uh, Diaby, is that how you say it? Diaby Hammond? Close enough, yeah. Close enough. And then Lloyd Summerall commits, and of course, Lloyd Summerall only commits because his dad got to wear a full Gator uniform head to toe, uh, and he's going to play as well, I would assume, right? Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, they, Florida is able to reopen that, that pipeline, uh, at Lakeland, and if you recall, that 2007 pipeline from Lakeland, uh, the Pouncey Twins, Chris Rainey, uh, Ahmad Black, uh, Cam Newton, Joe Hayden, Carlos well, Dunlap, and Aaron Hernandez. Those guys weren't you know, part of that group necessarily in 2007. Right. They're in the same class. Right. But in, in, I just in thought that was class. crazy that, that that much talent came out of that class. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but reopening that pipeline, like you said, to Lakeland, which is always a perennial power in the state of Florida, pretty much nationally as well, that was huge. You hinted at this too. You said Florida's going to close strong. They always close strong. And to its credit, Florida, I thought, was one of the big winners of the day and a lot of question marks coming in. And, yeah, they don't get Trey Sanders, but, I mean, still, you know, I, I think if you're a Florida fan, you're encouraged by the way that Dan Mullen was able to close. And, oh, yeah. and then how about Arkansas? My goodness. Unbelievable that this class was as good as it was as a top 20 class after day one of the early signing period, despite the fact that they won two games. Yeah. They won two so games. The last, I mean, like, as, as impressive as the classes were for, you know, Bama, Georgia, A and M, you know, I know LSU is also ranked. They're they're one through four uh, in, in the in the country in team rankings, but Arkansas and Florida had I think the most I don't want to say surprising but most impressive days yesterday. Yes, and Arkansas was more about I mean because we knew going into the day that Arkansas's class was really solid, and then they get a they get a flip from uh, from Mississippi State who was uh, Greg Brooks. And he was four star on certain sites, three star on others, but still a big, a big surprise day of flip. And Arkansas yeah, from from Louisiana, right? So I mean, a big time get for for Chad Morris, and just the fact too that he gets you know Hudson Henry and Traylon Burks, guys who are um, top two in the state of Arkansas and are top one hundred recruits. I believe they're both top one hundred recruits. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah. And, and he's able to land them. So huge day for Chad Morris. Big silver lining with this this year one, which on the field has been a disaster. But you're really courage if you're an Arkansas fan yeah. seeing that. And then Mizzou. Um, so Mizzou, not necessarily in the recruiting class itself, but uh, you, get, you get another grad, well, no, he's not a grad transfer quarterback, I don't think. Sean Robinson 
Is he a grad no, transfer? Not. Yeah, so he's not a grad transfer because, I mean, Kelly Bryant's going to be the starter of that team replacing Drew Locke. But right. Sean Robinson was a former four-star recruit, former number six dual-threat quarterback in the country. He started this year. And he started, yeah. He was, I mean, he was the guy. He plays, He replaced Kenny Trill. And, you know, this, what a, what a name. Um, but Derek Dooley, all of a sudden, people just lining up to play for him. Who would have I mean, thought? Yeah, and it's a it's a perfect situation for them because you know he has to sit out one year. He'll be ready in twenty twenty. Um, they also got a pretty decent high school uh, commit yesterday to place quarterback. That's that was that just flew under the radar, but that I think that's a really big get. Yeah, so good, good for Mizzou, a team that one of the three teams that finished outside of that top twenty two still had a big day overall, and I, you could throw so Kentucky get, in there as well. You get yeah, well Kentucky had a, a tough one, but. You get you get the uh, you get Kelly Bryant first off, but then you get this kid, Sean Robinson. And I know he had some struggles this year before his knee injury, but he was the Gatorade Player of the Year from Texas. That's that's hard to do. That is really yeah. hard to do. So we had some big flips and surprises as well. We that's one of the things that we we enjoy about about signing day is not just oh kids that have been committed for eight months that sign on the dotted line. It, it's the flips. So we had to start off the day. We had Dax Hill, who was originally committed to Michigan. And then he and then he committed to Bama, and then on signing day he goes back to Michigan, and it's rare to see that that happen. Usually it's the other way around, where the the school from you know from the south is able to to get that that late steal, um, you know, with a, a five star recruit something like that. Kirby does that all the time, and we'll get to that in a minute here. Well, but the biggest thing though is, um, especially with a lot of like Bama insiders. I mean, there was a lot of worry that he would possibly go back to Michigan because like those rumors started almost immediately. They didn't stop recruiting him, but it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that he wasn't gonna sign until February, no matter what. So for him to not only go back and recommit to Michigan, but also sign yesterday, that was the biggest surprise. Jim Harbaugh already said that he could be one of the best safeties in Michigan history. He ran a laser time four three forty this year. Oof. It's crazy. That is faster than us. Uh, Four-star safety Jordan Battle flipped from Ohio State to Alabama. So, Bama, you know, was able to get uh, last lap with at least one Big Ten team. Um, And Ohio State fans were kind of freaking out about that. Kind of freaking out early on in the day, uh, especially after uh, four-star quarterback uh, Dwan. Is that you say it or Dwayne? Uh, (laughs) Let's just call him D. Mathis. D. Mathis. He flipped from Ohio State to UGA, and that almost... Rich homie Dwan. Let's just call him that. Dwan the Swan. Ooh, there, that's good. There you go. I, we're, we're just going to be this guy. Dwan the Dwan PRT. Chavis. Dang it. No, we've done too much. No, we've done too much. Um, th- this almost seemed directly like a result of the Justin Fields news that Georgia yeah. was able to get this. And his dad even said uh, to Tom Van Heron, uh, who does great work over at ESPN on the recruiting side, that uh, it's all about just having an opportunity to play. That was the quote that he said as to why. It wasn't anything that Ohio State didn't do. It was just having an opportunity at Georgia. Right. Which, yeah, you can read between the lines in that one. Um, you know, as we mentioned earlier, four-star defensive end Derek Hunter flips from Florida State to, to A&M. Jimbo Fisher able to close out really well. We're going to get to some interesting comments that he had uh, about Georgia in a minute. And then the aforementioned Greg Brooks flipping from Mississippi State to, to Arkansas. So... There were flips. There were also some great viral moments. Awesome viral moments. I was uh, a little bit disappointed there weren't there weren't more, but there was some good stuff in there. Quality over quantity, my friend. There were some quality viral moments, and one that had social media buzzing. Trey Sanders, the running back out of IMG, a guy that I like. I spent a little bit of time with him down in Bradenton um, when he was uncommitted, and he was, you know, obviously the eye of uh, the apple of everyone's eye. He commits to Alabama. 
And Bama fans, ooh, you got some sirens going? Always, always, always and forever. Welcome to Atlanta. Um, so Trey Sanders sent Alabama fans into a frenzy because he commits to Bama, but then he didn't send his uh, he didn't sign his national letter of intent until late, late, late on a Wednesday night, uh, which was an interesting you know moment of panic in itself. But Trey Sanders had the comment. As a freshman, I do plan on winning the Heisman, nothing less. If I come up short, I will be a finalist. So that I, comment made the rounds. I, I mean, I love the confidence, but Najee Harris is going to be back in that, in that backfield. Also, Jerry Judy actually has odds right now um, to potentially win the Heisman. And, oh, yeah, Tua is also on that offense. I'm gonna, I'll say this. I agree. I like the confidence, and I think that'll be a very uphill battle. I have no problem with him coming out and saying this necessarily. Um, he's got a lot of confidence. Anybody who has dealt with him before can, can tell you that. Um, the thing I like about Trey Sanders long-term, though, is the wear and tear, or lack thereof. He, yeah. he never got... So, as a freshman in high school, he never got more than eight carries in a game. He averaged 20 yards per carry. He was an All-State player in the state of Florida as a true freshman. And that was before he went to IMG. So he goes to IMG, and then he shares the backfield with Noah Kane, with TJ Pledger, who went to Oklahoma. And this guy is not going to have a lot of wear and tear. So you talk about guys, and you know we talked about this with Benny Snell and how he kind of slowed down uh, as the year went on and the workload, and we were kind of worried about that. Trey Sanders is a guy who I would, I would be so excited about just because I think physically – he's going to be able to handle these kind of rigors. He has not had those miles put on him in the same way that a lot of high school backs have. So I think that's, talking, that's a good thing. He's also 18, so he should be able to recover from anything. I'm just saying, if I'm a Bama fan, I'm excited about that too. Oh, he also had this great quote about Saban. Uh, Trey Sanders said, I have never heard Coach Saban say this, but uh, he said, hey, Trey, I love you, man. Uh, I never heard Coach Saban say that. I could hear him smiling, dot, dot, dot. It kind of sounded like he was crying a little bit. He is already going to be in trouble when he gets on Ugh. campus to Tuscaloosa. Saban's got to be pissed. You, he called him out for crying? I would have loved to have seen a video of Saban doing his little uh, his little Texas two-step after Trey Sanders committed. That would have been even <laughs> better than, than Saban crying. Because, uh, let's be honest, Saban isn't crying unless Tom Rinaldi's in the room. Yeah, ever. Ever, yeah. ever. Um, all right, so we had another great moment. Oklahoma commit Jeremiah Crudell. Cradell? I don't know. We're not pronunciation guys. <laughs> he does the horns down on national TV during his announcement, and then everybody and their mother made the joke, oh, he got flagged for it. Because you can't do horns down anymore because apparently right. that's offensive. Um, message to all you Georgia players. If you do horns down, you will get points on the SDS podcast, even if you get flagged for it, but whatever. The more interesting moment, I thought, one of the more interesting moments of the day, and maybe this was a little bit overlooked, Jimbo Fisher calling out Georgia. Yeah. So, longtime A&M quarterback commit, Zach Calzada, a kid who rose a lot, went to the Elite 11, um, was all of a sudden just kind of getting all these offers. He grew. I think he had a, he had a growth spurt and was, you know, all of a sudden a big-time recruit. And Georgia tried to flip him. And maybe it was really, really late, much like they did um, with our, our guy, Dwan the Swan Mathis, uh, at Ohio State. And Jimbo apparently told Calzada that, yeah, they're full of bull, referencing and Georgia. And told it to the, the media as well. And then told it to the media. So, shots fired. I am here for this new rivalry, even though these teams, you know, not going to see each other on the field very often, but let's go. Well, it's, it's, it's nice of Jimbo Fisher to call out people for being, like, shady or full of bull <laughs> and all that kind of stuff and, and really address issues like that at hand, because especially from coming from Jimbo, it means a lot. 
Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Jimbo said uh, also there were some stories out there, so I'm sure nobody will take that and assume anything about Georgia and Georgia's yeah, recruiting has he been, practices. Has he been through a recruiting cycle before? Yeah. I don't like. <laughs> um, best, maybe the best. Well, second best moment of the day. You love this. I know you love this, Coach Joe. Oh goodness gracious! So, Coach Joe, in the middle of practice, he's having pra- or, uh, he's having a press conference, a, a post signing day press conference on the practice field, which I thought was kind of unique in itself. And uh, Jacques Doucette tweeted this video, and twice during this press conference, Coach Joe had to go over, stop his press conference, and yell at basically his team for it was it was certain guys that maybe they were doing position drills but it's like i'm trying to have a press conference i like the 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 amount of fear that struck my body just watching the video i would just leave i, I would have ran like i literally would have like physically ran away as soon as he said that trail of pee running down my leg probably without a doubt without a doubt and just avoid him hopefully until next fall or whatever summer camp is i mean that goodness he had to say it twice? He had to say it twice. Yeah. And it was the second time he's basically just like, just told him to stop. I will turn this car around. It was, it was intense. I would, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. What amazed me is if you actually watch, if you watch the video, the reporter who was, who's standing, I don't know who the reporter was that was on screen during this, basically this whole interaction, didn't, didn't even have a smile. Come on, man. Yeah. No, yeah, no, it was a healthy fear. Yeah, that's true. He just kept his head down. And uh, okay, good point. That's probably the smart thing to do in that in that situation. Yeah. The best signing day moment did not come from the SEC. It came from Syracuse commit Cooper Dawson. If you haven't seen this on social media, I you probably have by now, but it was as good of a signing day moment as I've seen. Yeah. So he lets his friend uh, Kingsley Feynman, who is disabled, uh, he wisp um, the Syracuse commit whispers his his decision uh, into Kingley Feynman's um, ear and lets the disabled friend make the announcement. And it was so cool, so touching, such a great um, moment of a, somebody understanding the bigger picture and understanding yeah. that this, you know, it's a moment that, that so many kids make it all about them. And exactly this kid didn't. That was, it was awesome. It really was. And, he, and he's, he's from South Carolina, so obviously good people. But yeah, you hit the nail on the head, on the head with that one. I mean, this has become such a, a me-me thing. And for him to realize, like, in that moment, it's like how cool of an opportunity it was to do that with his friend. That was awesome. Let's do something nice along those lines. Let's say one nice thing about every SEC recruiting yeah. class. Let's do I'll, it. Let's see, let's see how fast I can go through these. So here's one nice thing about every single recruiting class. Um, from your uncle Chris, I went through this yesterday. A lot of research involved. You're welcome. So, sometimes some teams have more than one nice thing. Regardless, here we go. Bama, uh, 21 players in the ESPN top 300 is tied for the most ever. Uh, 25 of the 26 commits are four or five stars. Oof. One nice thing for Arkansas. Actually, going to be a couple of, a couple of nice things. So they're up 28 spots uh, from last year's team ranking, which is impressive. 14 of the 27 players that they signed or have committed are on the offensive line or defensive line, so that's perfect for the SEC. Obviously, you know, most of the games were won in the trenches. But most impressive to me, the skill position players they brought in, they brought in four receivers, uh, and they brought in the whichever one you look at, the number one or number two tight end in the country. Three of the receivers are four stars. All are above, or I'm sorry, and also three of them are 6'3 or taller. 
So they got a lot of big-bodied guys. They got their highest-rated receivers, like 6'5", 215. Kid out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And so, I, I think Chad Morris had at least one Red Bull per signee yesterday. Without a doubt. No that, doubt. That's a, that's a, can create a lot of mismatches. So I really like that. Auburn, um, kind of quiet yesterday, but got the number one dual threat quarterback in the country, Bo Nix, and a sleeper that his stock has gone through the roof uh, late in the recruiting cycle, DJ Williams, a running back who was previously committed to App State. That's a good running back name. I like that. It really is. Um, there's actually a couple of people from like Bama insiders that were saying they would rather have DJ Williams than Trey Sanders. Sanders. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, LSU. So they didn't have too much yet happen yesterday. Five of the top six kids in the state of Louisiana though signed, including three five stars. Got the number one is, kid out of Utah too. Yeah. Okay. That's which, you know, Utah, they have a lot of talent out there. Um, hotbed. No, that's, that's so impressive. Ole Miss, uh, 28 total commits. Obviously they can only sign 20 the past two years. They got 16 from the state of Mississippi, which I thought was great, and then also got some help on defense. Sam Williams was the National Defensive Player of the Year uh, from JUCO after posting 17 and a half sacks and 28 and a half tackles for loss. Thank God, because they need some help. They would have. Uh, they would have loved to have Nicobe Dean too. A guy who already has a brother on the yeah. team would have been a big, big get to have in the middle of that defense, but that didn't happen. So, yeah. Sorry, that was a mean thing. Get back to nice. They things. also got my like my future least favorite player ever. It's a quarterback named uh, Kincaid. I forgot his last name. Uh, what is his last name? Yeah, they have, know, they have two quarterback commits, I believe. Yeah, I, I, if he ends up not rushing Kappa Sig, he's going to be a, a great quarterback, I guess, for Ole Miss. <laughs> uh, Mississippi State, 11 of the 19 commits uh, they have are from the state of Mississippi, so good for Joe Moorhead, kind of trying to put a fence around that state. Um, they signed the number six overall dual-threat quarterback, which is good for his system, um, especially now that they're losing Nick Fitzgerald. And, you know, I know they have Keaton Thompson, but whatever. A&M. A&M signed the number one player in the state of Texas and two of the four five-stars from the state. They also got seven of the top 16 and nine of the top 25 players in the state of Texas, uh, whereas their in-state rivals, Texas, only got two. So pretty impressive stuff from Jimbo Fisher uh, being able to kind of own that state this year um, in his first year recruiting there. If I was able to make uh, some stuff with Photoshop and videos, uh, I would have made the the video of... uh, whatever the video is of where the guy dunks on somebody, where they put the hoop up next to a guy and he just gets dunked on, and Tom Herman would have been the guy getting dunked on and Jimbo would have been soaring through the air. I'm really thankful that we have memes because that was tough to follow. I'm sorry. But I, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, okay, UGA, and this is, my, this is my most impressive class. I understand that Bama finished first, but this is the most impressive class, and here's why. They signed five more five stars. Again, they had seven last year. They signed five this year. They're still in contention for... Um, I think one or two more. They signed the number one overall player in the country out of high school and JUCO. Got them both. Uh, They also had four players that were ranked number one in the nation at their position. They signed kids from 10 different states and got the number one overall player in six of those states. The number one JUCO kid is from uh, Last Chance U, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, I I thought that was impressive because we talk about how much talent uh, there is in, in the state of Georgia. And... They actually had three of the top 20 players in the state, which is the same as, as Tennessee, but they went into other states and not only got, got a lot of talent, but got like the number one player in that state. Six different states, really impressive stuff. Uh, Florida, they had the biggest jump in the ESPN rankings yesterday. They went up four spots, number 14, and their biggest rival, FSU, they had the biggest fall, down three spots, number 18, so that was good. Uh, South Carolina got the number one player in the state, uh, five-star defensive end, Zach Pickens, and they got... 
What some are saying is the number one quarterback possibly in the country with Ryan Helsinki. Helinski. You, Whatever. You spelled that wrong. That's okay. Helinski Auto Parts, just like from Tommy Boy. Um, okay, let's see. Tennessee. Tennessee did not do very well in their own state. They only had one player in the top ten uh, in the state of Tennessee. But they signed ten kids uh, from the state of Georgia. Three were four stars, and one was a five star. They also had three different four star DBs, which is obviously uh, Jeremy Pruitt's specialty. And again, we talked about they could possibly land two five star offensive tackles. So they're not done yet. They they have Darnell Wright's going to be committing. Um, yeah, after after the new year, I think is is the plan right. for that. They they probably have the the biggest uh, opportunity to jump up in the rankings from where they are now. <laughs> Kentucky, it was a, it was a tough year. Uh, they got their top four recruits are all on defense, which is good. They got four of the top ten in Kentucky. But that's um, significant because they didn't sign a single Kentucky recruit last year. That's significant. How is that possible? It, isn't it amazing? I, I kind of glossed over that last year, but that, that that to me is an unbelievable note. So getting back to kind of the in-state roots, and we've talked a lot about yeah. Mark's – well, we haven't talked a lot. I've thought a lot about Mark Stoops and his his, <laughs> his Ohio roots being a Youngstown guy, and this class, I think he ended up with more Kentucky signees than Ohio signees, which is pretty rare for him. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I mean, because the, the top six players in the state went elsewhere, but still got four in the top ten, and they got five Juco signees. that should be kind of an immediate impact. Mizzou, we already kind of talked about this. Grad transfer quarterbacks, they had recruits from eight different states, uh, and also got five players from Texas, uh, which was pretty impressive. And they're, they're up ten spots from last year's 2018 ranking. Vandy, what can you say about Vandy? Uh, they had 23 total commits. 22 or three stars, which I thought was impressive. So, and that was one, one. one other thing about Vandy, I got to throw in this note about Vandy because this was kind of overlooked in the hoopla of, of signing day. I think they got their Kyle Shermer replacement because Riley Neal is quarterback at Ball State. He was a starter there for, he's a grad transfer. Um, he was started there for, would have been four years, started there as a true freshman, got injured one of those seasons. That's why he has another year of eligibility left. But I think he is going to be the starter. He's a big physical quarterback, 6'6, 230. And oh, by the way, my brother covered him the last couple of years. So, just saying. There you go. Yeah. So maybe a little bit more than one nice thing. Um, yeah, but that was, that was good, right? Was, there's some positives yeah. in every single class. It really was cool to see how, how well everyone did in recruiting yesterday. Um, can't wait to hate all the teams next year when they're actually playing against my favorite <laughs> team. Anyway, moving on to the all-name team. Let's so do it. Had this idea from Matt Hinton, who posted this yesterday, the uh, all-name team from the 2019 recruiting classes. Let's you go first, real quick. So we took some of the names that Matt Hitton brought up because he went deep. If you do, if you haven't seen his full roster, go go give Matt Hitton a, a shout out on Twitter. Um, he does great work for us on, on SDS. Yeah, uh, really, really good stuff, especially in season. And so some of these names are from him, and some of these names are names that we have come up with. Mostly you that you have come up with, but these are good. So we're gonna run through these real quick and. We'll stop it at given points that, that needed more than just a chuckle. All right, let's lead off with UNC defensive back Storm Duck. Yep, that's a good one. Um, Boston College got a linebacker. I, I'm not allowed to say this. I'm sure it's not pronounced this way, but it's spelled S-H-I-T-T-A. You can say his name. Shittasilla. Love it. Uh, Florida, as we talked about earlier, Keon Zipperber. All right. Yeah. Uh, the, sure, he doesn't get any sort of mispronunciations of that name and zippers. All right. Um, kid that apparently, is, is he committed to both? I don't understand this, but he, Ron Burgundy's favorite recruit this year, Christian Mahogany. That's a great name. That's a great name. I, I don't know if he belongs at Pitt or Rutgers, though. He might want to rethink that with that name. Uh, yeah. a, a fellow Pitt commit, Liam Dick. 
I'm just gonna let that one sit. <laughs> you didn't like that one. You didn't think that was no, that I'm, good. I'm, you're gonna read the next two because I, I didn't think any of these were that good. All right. Bo Limmer, Arkansas offensive lineman. Shout out Peter Burns' daughter named Bo. Great name. Uh, this next one, a running back who's uncommitted. This sound, this might not even be a real person. Um, this might just be a fake ID. Yeah. Freddie Mango. That's a made-up <sighs> name. That, he just sounds like somebody with a mustache from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not a real person. All right, those um, are the ones I wanted. West Virginia defensive back Nick Troy Fortune. Nick Troy is one word. Nick Troy. Which I guarantee was an argument between the parents. And they were just like, just we'll just do both. Just... You mean like what, like a like a hyphen or like one's like the first name, one's a middle name? No, just put them together. Nick Troy. I think the the better part of that is he gets to be called Mister Fortune. That's pretty good too. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty boss. Um, defensive back from Murray State, Artemis McCorkle. Artemis, Artemis, not Artemis. I can't read. Either way. Yeah. Um, this next one pretty good too. Uh, defensive back from Central Michigan, Ormondel Dingle. Okay. Or 12 years um, old. Bama got a defensive end named King Wakuda. King, King for a though, first that's name. That's an awesome first name. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next ones, and so one of the reasons I put these in here, this is I, one of my favorite bits I do in comedy is about how much I hate different baby names. Um, Georgia signed three players that all sound like they're going to sue you. Um, I, these are just the widest names possible. They have a defensive end named Bill Norton. That is an 18-year-old kid. Bill Norton is the name of every 58-year-old man I've ever met. Bill you, Norton lives on the other side of Uncle T- or neighbor Terry Wilson's house. Bill know. Norton's an 18-year-old kid. Also signed uh, two quarterbacks, one named John Reese didn't, Plumley. Didn't sign Plumley yet, but okay, he's Com- whatever commits. Um, Reese is spelled R H Y S. Matt. And then Stetson Bennett the fourth. Don't like that. Return of Stetson Bennett, the fourth, who was at JUCO for this past year and then got a scholarship to come back to Georgia because apparently a scholarship on that in that quarterback room opened up. Imagine that. Every single every single one of those names, I'm not saying they're not good athletes, but they sound like every kid I know that as soon as they got out of college had a job at like a state farm that their dad used to run. So there's that. Ole Miss commit linebacker, Ashanti Sistrunk. Ashanti. Uh, Ashanti. I love that. What is Probably teammates with Ja Rule, I would assume. They're kind of a oh, package love deal. That. Uh, um, Kincaid Dent from Ole Miss. We talked about that one. This one, this next one's yours. The next two. Uh, great, great name for a Texas Tech quarterback. Maverick McIver. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. That's really good. That's pretty good. Uh, this another quarterback from Southern. Harold Blood Jr. <laughs> All right, the Blood family. The the first name is so non threatening. Harold. Harold. And then Blood. Harry Blood. Um, Harry Blood this is my personal favorite right here. It, 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 safety for Vanderbilt is last name is <laughs> it's Anthony Orgy. I don't know why you think that's funny. O O R J I. Maybe it's Orhi. Like a, I'm sure there were a lot of names they could decide, and they probably just all joined together. Maybe it's a, a bunch of different names that they all all put together into one. Um, Shout out to all my 90s kids named Anthony. I know that that kid probably isn't because he was born in 2000s, I would assume, but Anthony, great. Uh, oh, I didn't think about that. Great name, uh, Penny Harvey. Uh, Oregon got a linebacker named Jamon Eford, and the reason I like this one is because it's spelled G E apostrophe M O N. Jamon! It, reminds, it reminds me of uh, like Michael Jackson, like, yeah. Jamon. Yeah, so, I'm sure like he's never heard that before. I like that, though. He probably hasn't. 
Uh, all right, I'll, I'll take a crack at this next one. Notre Dame got a defensive end named Nana Osafo Mensa. Love it. Nana. 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 I hope it's Nana. Yes. Actually, I have, I have a, one of my good friends from high school. His name is Nana. Nana Bando. Um, no, that's such a strong name, though. Nana Osafa Mensa. Nana is Nana is like what? Yeah. Trying to be a defensive okay, it's not end. Nana. Yeah, it's kind of like the old uh, like a uh, Dick Butkus. He got tough because people made fun of his name. Maybe Nana or Nana got tough because people made fun of his name. Yeah, a lot of speculation here. A lot of. <laughs> Uh, Washington got a defensive end named Leautu Latu, mm-hmm. which is usually what I order every morning at Starbucks. Um, a lot of vowels in that one. A tall, non-fat Leautu Latu. <laughs> uh, Memphis got a DN named Joseph Honeysucker. You left that off the original list, and shame yeah. on you. Um, can I speak to Mr. Honeysucker? I, the ne- next one, Steel Chambers. That's pretty cool. That's that pretty sounds cool. like something from a site you're not supposed to be visiting. I'll just say that. All right. Those are the best names of the 2019 class. That was a lot of signing day stuff that we just ran through. Yeah. Uh, if you're a little signing day fatigued, that is okay. We've got our interview with Kirk Herbstreet. Like I said, we did some. We had, we had some, we had a little bit of fun with him at the end. We did some family feud with him. Uh, we talked playoff matchups, why he wants expansion. Uh, Got him to kind of go into some Tua versus Kyler stuff. I was hoping he was going to pick one, but you know he decided not to do that necessarily. But uh, you had him going with Family Feud, and that, that to me yeah. was, was the highlight of it. Um, so definitely listen to that. Uh, just a little heads up, Marler's audio was not great for this because he actually lost his audio file, and then we had to use my audio file instead. But uh, you can still hear him, but if it sounds like two people are on the phone and it's just me talking to them, that's kind of why. But interview is still really good. Listen all the way through. We're excited to be joined by a very, very special guest. You know him. It is Kirk Herbstreet, a.k.a. the guy who tries not to die when Corso brings out guns or animals when he makes his pick on college game day. Uh, Kirk, let's, let's, let's start with that right there. Uh, what's your closest near-death experience uh, involving Corso headgear? Oh my gosh! I, I honestly, um, the the live animals is kind of the last five years has become a little bit uh, like unpredictable because he doesn't really ever fill us in on what he's doing. So uh, you know, he had that albino alligator one time down at the swamp, which was which was fascinating. Um, and he's so proud to like hold whatever animal it is, like you know whether it's the Oregon duck or a gator. Or whatever it is, so uh, that that's more disturbing, more than scary than than the other one. Is that he brings out these guns, and people don't get when you have these earpieces that we have and the live uh, mic <laughs> right next to your face. How loud those things are! It actually vibrates into your chest. It, it's so loud. So he's a character, man. Every week, you just never know what you're gonna get, and all of us on the set literally have no idea. Uh, what he does in that last segment, like we were at UCF and he left the stage and he went to get dressed up and came out, you know, they dropped the curtain down. He was dressed as a knight. Yeah. I know I'm like a fan. Basically I just have to be sitting next to him. So it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun 23 years sitting next to him. That's awesome. Uh, Kirk is here on behalf of the fine folks over at Allstate. Kirk, why don't you tell us about the, the work that you're doing with them? 
Yeah, it's been I've been with him now for a number of years, and each year they they come up with kind of a different concept. And this year they they wanted to celebrate just the mayhem that we see every single week in college football. So on my ABC telecast on Saturday nights, I would after watching games all day, I would look for kind of the mayhem moment for me anyway, whether it was a play or a player or a team and an upset. And um, so we kind of had fun with that all year and. They did a bunch of surveys with fans in the preseason to see how far uh, fans are willing to go for their team to to win and the different things that they would be willing to do. And th- this call here, we, we did one in the preseason and, and now doing one at the end of the season leading into the bowl season. Just as a just a reminder that um, when, it, when it comes to the bowl season, who knows what kind of mayhem we might see, but fans can always count on all states. Uh, to try to find different exciting ways to, to bring college football and the fans uh, together on and off the field. So just, just happy to be a part of their group. I think we're going to see some, some mayhem in the Orange Bowl. Tua versus Kyler, now that we know that Tua is looking better, looking like he's going to play. Let's just say that I'm giving you a team and you got to start one of those guys. you got to pick one of them to be the, the quarterback of your team. Assuming that both guys are healthy, who are you taking and why? You know, I think it would depend on the system. You know, Tua runs a system that I think fits him perfectly. Um, I, you know, I, I think Mike Loxley, who's now obviously going over to Maryland in the first year as an OC, look at, think about what he inherited, not just Tua, but I think what gets underplayed is the group of wide receivers uh, led by Jerry Judy, but they've got their four strong there. And, and have guys that can make you pay for things, especially with the addition of Waddle, uh, Irv Smith, the tight end. Uh, you know, you had three or four NFL quality backs. That's why in, in the summer I was all this discussion about Tua Jalen. This fits perfectly for Tua, who's a distributor. And and so I think in that offense, there's no question you could search the entire country, and Tua is the right fit. Kyler Murray in this new era, and think about even the NFL when you watch the Chiefs and the Rams and all these teams, um, you know, what's happening with Cleveland, Chicago, Philly. I think the reason people are excited about Kyler Murray is he's right in the middle with Lincoln Riley's system of understanding how to be, you know, a, kind of a point guard on a fast break and at the same time being very uh, in control. You know, he has a reputation of, boy, he's a great scrambler. But what I've been blown away by is his ability to process coverage, sit in the pocket, and make throws and make reads. And when things aren't there, he can take off and go. That's what's different between he and and Baker Mayfield uh, running the same offense a year ago. Baker would scramble just enough to throw. Kyler Murray can do that, but as you guys know, he can also take off and, and in a blink of an eye, pick up 20 or 30 yards. So I would probably lean towards Tua just because his skill set would probably fit into more different systems. But as far as Kyler Murray's system, man, I don't know if you you could draw a better quarterback for, for what they're doing on offense than what Kyler Murray does. I was going to say, Kirk, we'll give you your own system to run. You can run whatever system you want. That's really fine. <laughs> <laughs> we don't mind. Yeah. Um, we like yeah, to that, do that a lot of over-unders. A lot of fun to watch right now, though. Oh, absolutely. And, well, I mean, we, we could get into some Justin Fields stuff if you want about why that would be intriguing uh, in itself. But let's talk about somebody who could be uh, on the market. 
Uh, Jalen Hurts, we a lot of people kind of expect him. You know, this this transfer stuff that we're maybe going to be hearing at season's end. Uh, why don't we do an over under though for for the Orange Bowl? Over under snaps that he's going to play. If I set the over under at five for Jalen Hurts snaps, what would you take? The over or the under? I would first say this: Is Tua a hundred percent? He's going to play the game. He's not limping around. I mean, there's been games this year where he's been limping around, you know, not just the SEC championship. So if we go by the assumption that he's healthy enough to play and he's not limping around, then I would take the under uh, on five. If he's if he gets dinged and someone sacks him or he has to scramble, everyone holds their breath, it seems like, when he does take off the scramble and he gets tackled, and he comes up from that, that tackle, and he's limping back to the huddle, then, you know, then Jalen obviously needs to, to get warmed up, and it, it would be the over. But here's to, here's to Tua hopefully being healthy and, and able to play in that game. So we can, I want to see him and Hollywood Brown both effective and healthy and no excuses. Everybody's good to go, and may the best team win. Speaking of the, having the best team win, you were very vocal about saying that you felt Georgia deserved to make the playoff as one of the four best teams in the country. Do you think expansion is is the answer to make sure that a season like that gets properly rewarded? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd go back to 2014. Even year one, it was like, okay, four is great, but when's it going to eight? <laughs> we hadn't even started. <laughs> and now we've had, we've had five years of watching it play out and I think this is the first year where you really have um, people that are up in arms year one with TCU and Baylor you could maybe make a case but it's the first year where you really can say uh, man this is this is not right and I think in my opinion Notre Dame being in um, and then with the way the SEC championship game played out I got to believe that the, the, the room and that the committee they looked around at each other and they must have just basically said there's no way, guys, with Notre Dame in. We can put Georgia in because now we'd have two from the SEC. We'd have Clemson, and we'd have Notre Dame. We're leaving three Power Five conference uh, champs out. There's no way we can do it. And I think that's the first time that the politics got the best of this year's committee in the first, in the first five years of this. But it does create all of a sudden we have to have it. And I was all along a guy that was happy with four, but I think at this point, um, even before the season started, I was I was starting to listen to people that wanted to go to eight, and I'm hoping that, that this eventually, uh, maybe after a year like this, hopefully we can get it to eight. Let's uh, let's talk some predictions. I'm not sure if are are you allowed to give a, a final score for each playoff matchup, or are you saving those for game day? Um, well, I'm calling the Orange Bowl, uh, and then I'm calling right. the national title, um, so I I can't do those, and also the Rose Bowl, but. Um, I can. I mean, basically, if if two is healthy, there's a couple kind of X factors to me in the Orange Bowl. No, number one, and you guys probably look back at this. Whenever the Heisman Trophy comes down to one and two playing each other in the national championship game, usually the guy that loses the Heisman, you know, you say whatever you want, but it really motivates the defense on the guys, the guy of the team or the player that lost. And so I've already seen on social media. You know, some of the Alabama defensive players have come out and, and said some things. I think Mac Wilson said some things, Isaiah Bugs, about how frustrated they were that, that Tua did not win. And so I can't wait to see Kyler Murray, who's, you know, scoring 50 points a game and a great quarterback, 
I want to see that matchup of Lincoln Riley and Nick Saban after four weeks to get ready, the best against the best in the country, going head-to-head with a great quarterback who won the Heisman and a defense that's incredibly motivated to go against him. So I, 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 it feels to me as we lead into the game like the Rose Bowl last year where you have a Big 12 offense with Baker Mayfield and Georgia's defense led by Roquan Smith, and I was like, all right, now we're going to find out how good this Oklahoma offense is. And to their credit, they, you know, they scored, and they, they, they did a lot of good things in that game. I have a feeling, because Alabama's defense is going to have a hard time stopping Tua, that if Oklahoma is going to make a game of this, it's going to have to be a game similar to last year's Rose Bowl where we see a lot of points uh, in, in this game. And I think, that, I think it will be fairly high scoring, more high scoring than, than maybe Alabama's used to seeing, uh, you know, based on the way they play defense. Uh, Kirk, we're going to get you out on this. Uh, we do family feud with all of our guests. It's more of a rapid fire, so I'll let uh, I'll let Marler take it from here. Yeah, so this is like the the real journalism part of the uh, the interview here, Kirk. <laughs> um, so we're going to do ten questions, all rapid fire. Uh, the first or best answer, hopefully the same, um, that comes to your mind, and um, and and there we go. So, are you ready? All right, first question. If you were a character from The Office, who would you be? Oh, my gosh, Jim. That's that's what I had written down for you. So, yeah, we're one for one on that. Um, game day location, you want to visit, <laughs> but have not yet. Oh, my God. Uh, obviously, the answer would be Washington State. We've been there. Um, I think I've been everywhere. Where haven't I been? Um, Anywhere but Shreveport is what I wrote down. What did you write down? Anywhere but Shreveport. What did you write down? <laughs> we'll go with that. Good answer. <laughs> um, next question. More attractive SEC coworker, Jesse Palmer or Tim Tebow? Ooh, wow. I know. Hard-hitting oh, stuff. I mean, how can you go against – I mean, Jesse's a, a, a handsome lad, but how can you go against Timmy Tebow? You know, so we'll have to say Tim. Yeah, it's at a tie. Jesse Palmer's got that facial hair, but that's fine. That's fine. Um, up next, <laughs> bigger rivalry, Michigan-Ohio State or UCF versus SEC fans? <laughs> These are fun. Um, I think it's UCF against the whole nation. It's not just SEC fans. I think it's the whole country. Also fair. Uh, I know you live in Nashville, so best Nashville bar or restaurant? Um, the Patterson House. Good spot. Okay. I have to Google that. I said anything but Tootsie's because I'm too big to fit in there. Um, let's see yeah. here. Non-football sports bucket list events you most want to attend. Non what? Non football sports bucket list event. Um, you know, I went to a boxing match uh, in New York at Madison Square Garden after the Heisman, and and had a really good seat. First time I've ever been to that. So I would love to go to an, a UFC, a big time championship fight, and sit up close and and take it in. 
I had spelling bee, but we're close. We're close on that. Uh, a couple more here. <laughs> um, first thing you do once the once it's the off season. First thing that I do. Yes. Um. Gosh. I mean, I, it's a boring answer, but try to reconnect with my family, especially live up uh, in Ohio, because I, for four months, I'm just kind of out of pocket. And uh, and so, obviously, I have my four kids here and, and my wife, but um, my mom and sister and, and other relatives up in Ohio, I just don't get a chance to see them much or talk to them much. So probably reconnect with family. Good answer. My, good mine answer. was cry. Answer. Mine was cry. <laughs> That's good, though. Good stuff. Wow. Well, Kirk, I think you got a, I think you got a high score for Family Feud. We, uh, we do appreciate you coming on on behalf of all states. Uh, best of luck to, to all the games that you're calling. You're going you're gonna to be busy. We appreciate you coming on. We'll have you come back very, very soon. I love talking to you guys. Love your stuff. Uh, I follow you guys on Twitter. Keep up the great work, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll talk uh, soon. Thank you for Kirk Herbstreet for for coming on. Always we had him on last year too. Um, shout out to everybody who's been listening to the SDS podcast for over a year. Um, you might remember that, but uh, yeah, really interesting, really fun to have him on. Of course, he's you know doing the Allstate stuff, but uh, hopefully we'll have him on very very soon. Let's talk Bowl Mania. Along those same lines, it is not going well for Uncle Chris. It is update. I, I don't understand what I've done with these picks. I, I don't, like, last night I went over to our friends at my bookie, uh, as I encourage you to do, and I bet actual money on Ohio to win. So when they won, I high-fived myself and celebrated. Then come to find out, when I checked the actual bowl pick em, I picked San Diego State for some reason. I have no idea how that happened. Anyway, regardless... Um, make sure you guys head over to our friends at mybookie.com. Use the promo code SDS. Uh, they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. You can bet on bowl games. You can bet on SC basketball. All that good stuff. You can bet on tonight's bowl game, which is the Gasparilla Bowl. Yes. Yeah. Lawnmowers, also, baby. Love me some lawnmowers. Um, also, you know how much I love my prop bets. Currently, right now, if you go to my bookie, you can bet on the following things. Uh, will Urban Meyer be a head coach in college football before 2020? Will Urban Meyer win a fourth national championship by 2022? Let's see. What team will Urban Meyer be coaching at in 2020? Actually, front runners right now, USC, Auburn, and the Cleveland Browns. So make sure you guys head over to mybookie.com. They got all your bowl games, all your prop bets, all that good stuff. Use the promo code SDS at mybookie.com. Okay, so I'm trying to find what place you're in. I'm scrolling. I, I can't find you. You're you're too far down this list right now. I don't understand. Um, you're you, oh, you're still tied for 164th. Wait a second. That is... How's that possible? Um, did you pick? No, no, you didn't pick um, Ohio. Uh, that's pretty unfortunate for you. I'm currently in eighth place, so that's cool. Um, what if I won? You could just interview me, right? I mean, I guess. That would. There's be some people fun. that haven't got any rights. So that's. Yeah, because That's they didn't do good. their picks, probably. Um, That's also probably true. So basically, you're like, there's f- like five people below you, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, swing and a miss. Uncle Chris shuts it down when the regular season ends. I don't get it. I don't understand when I made these picks. You were dr- you were blacked out. I was not. I don't. I mean, that would make more sense. I probably should just use that excuse. Regardless, 
Um, I'll come back. It'll be fun. You'll come back, no doubt. Let's do fourth and wrong. We got some Christmas fourth and wrong to get to. A little bit of Christmas. Yeah. So we have four questions this week for fourth and wrong. Uh, we're going to go through them. And let's see here. The first one. Tips for exams this week. That was sent in by Sean Dickens on Instagram. Tips for exams. Don't show up to your exam hungover because you end up, th- this might be common knowledge, but you end up thinking, I need to finish this as soon as possible. And that, never, that just never works out well. And if yeah. you ever think that a test is going to be easy, don't. Better to over-prepare than under-prepare. There's nothing like the feeling of walking into an exam and knowing every single question that's going to be on there and walking out and being like, I just freaking crushed that. And then it's you're cheating, Connor. Well, I didn't say what it was necessarily. And then you walk out of there and you're like, yeah, I got my A. Because there's also nothing worse than the feeling of having that two-week waiting period where you're waiting to see your finals and you have that borderline grade and you're like, I know I sucked on that. And it's just, yeah. it's this con, and it ruins the holidays and it kind of just, it, it dampens the mood and just study for finals and don't show up hungover. Yeah, um, my birthday was always, uh, it's May 5th, so it's always right during spring finals. So May, I didn't, May 3rd, adhere. so yeah, we know. Yeah. So I, I didn't really adhere to any of that advice you said. Um, but yeah, that is good advice. Get, find a good playlist so you can you can focus while you're studying. I used to listen to a lot of Explosions in the Sky. It's good stuff. What? Um, what is that? It's like the background music they put from uh, Friday Night Lights. They're actually a really, really incredible band. But um, yeah, find a good playlist. Find a quiet spot in the library. All that good stuff. Probably, I, I would say get some sleep, but it doesn't really matter. Get sleep. Probably get sleep. Probably all, all nighter. Um, yeah, so that would be that would be my best uh, advice. My favorite was like when you like do really well on a final, or if there was like any extra credit. We had one teacher that um, he really loved the movie The The Departed. Um, good movie, very good movie. Yeah, and then so I took him that year, and he like he was like for extra credit, he was like, "What was your favorite thing about this class?" And I co- made a comment about it, and he gave me ten extra points. And the next year, it was No Country for Old Men, and I made a comment about that, and I was like, "That movie was pretty overrated." He took off 10 points on my final and said, you're overrated. That sounds like the best teacher ever. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, Okay, so next question. Best vacation trip you've ever taken? That is from our good friend Dr. Hyder, MD, on Twitter. Took a two-week trip to Europe last year uh, for for our honeymoon. Went to, started off in Dublin in Ireland, spent four days there, spent four days in Rome eating the best food I've ever had in my life and then finished out in Santorini and then spent one day in Athens before flying back home. Unfreaking believable Go to Europe. Europe's pretty awesome. Yeah, I still want to go to a couple places over there. My, um, mine would probably be, I, so my family, like my aunt and uncle, they live in the Bahamas for half the year and they live in Athens, Greece for half the year. Um, what a life they live. Yeah, I know. And they also promised me a job after I got out of college that fell through. So I get a lot of good Christmas gifts from them now, from uh, guilt trips. <laughs> so I got to go to Athens and Santorini a couple of years ago in 2013. It was like the one bright spot uh, for that year. So that was pretty cool. And then also, I used to spend every summer down in the Bahamas. I would be working like nonstop at their restaurant. Um, but yeah, so like every summer, so I could pay for school, I would just go down to the Bahamas for two months and work and work out and all that kind of stuff, like train for baseball, but in the Bahamas, it was awesome. So that'd probably be my, my pick. Let's see, next question. Best Christmas gift you've ever given someone or received? That is from W. Travis Pace on Twitter. Last year, all right, I'm, I'm going to have some real talk for a minute. I know we like to loosen, oh we like to loosen things up. Um, 
my wife came up with this great idea. Uh, so my dad, my dad died the day after Christmas last year. Died of cancer. It was a long battle, long fight, three bouts of it. Really, really difficult. Was back home for you know basically watching his final days. And uh, my wife came up with the idea that we would get my mom a pendant that had my dad's signature with his little sign off on it. So it said, love, cool. you, love you always in my dad's handwriting. I've never seen my mom cry that hard. Where's oh, you're about to see me cry that hard. Where's, where's it every day? That's the best Christmas gift we, we have ever given. And I'll be honest, my wife deserves most of the credit for that. I don't, I can't follow that. Um, Sorry, I set the bar too high. <laughs> well, I can't, honestly, this sound, makes you sound bad, but like, I can't think of any great Christmas gifts that I've actually given. You need to up your game, sir. Well, I've just always been, like, we just don't really do a lot of presents. Um, anyway, so. Bottomless mimosas best... for Patty Sue. Oh, you... she would love that. Yeah. Uh, the best gift I ever received was, what was it? I remember, like, one time at Christmas, uh, the girl I was dating broke up with me, like, during the, like, December. And then, like, when she was mad, like, through all of my Christmas gifts that were already wrapped that she had bought for me. And she's like, you could take all these too. So I leave and go home and I open it up and it was like whiskey stones, um, like personalized rocks glasses and a bottle of like really nice, like I think it was like Woodford Reserve double, um, I don't know what, yeah, double oaked, I think. So it was like exactly what I would have bought myself after the breakup. That was pretty great. Also Nerf bow and arrow. That's the best gift I ever got. Very similar gifts. Yeah, very similar. Uh, what's the worst Christmas gift? That is from Mark to Frankfurt on Twitter. All right, so my aunt's head was in the right place, and she is usually very. She gives a lot of very useful gifts. A lot of gifts that you you're just like, okay, I use this as part of my everyday life. It's great. Right. Last year though, and I'm a big avocado guy. I have avocado in my eggs every day. I am a classic millennial. That's what I do. She gave everybody an avocado masher. And this thing is freaking huge. It may as well be a shovel. And unless you're having 12 avocados, I don't know why I make guacamole in such large quantities. Uh, shout out Michael Scott. You can't use it. You can't use it on one avocado. It's not going to mash. It, it's too big. And so my mom actually just got rid of hers. I hope Casey isn't listening right now. But <laughs> yeah, just got rid of it because you're like, what would you ever use this for? You would need to make a vat of guacamole to ever use this thing. And I did not use it once this past year. Sorry. See, that's... This is why I left this one for last, because there's nothing worse. Like, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but there's nothing worse than getting a Christmas gift that, like, is an obligation. Like, you you can't really use it. You don't really need it. But, like, you also feel guilty if you, like, just, like, got rid of it. Yeah. Um, just takes up space. Yeah. I mean, like, one Christmas, like, my I got, like, from, like, my dad and stepmom, there was, like, four different gifts. And I opened them all, and three of the four were just receipts because the stuff they had ordered were on back order. But they still took the time to like wrap each present, like each receipt, in a box. You can put like a little picture in there. I've I've had that done done before. Yeah. Um, so the absolute worst Christmas gift. And this hasn't been given to me, but this is just in general. And I'm just gonna rant about it for 30 seconds. Is a Christmas ornament. How stupid is a Christmas ornament to give to someone on Christmas? That's, like it might as well just be fish. It's like a shelf life of like seven hours. That's like left of relevance before you get to put it in the attic for the next what 300 something days. Christmas ordinance are the worst. That's why Home Alone 2, we've talked about this, how much it bothers me that Kevin McAllister gave the pigeon lady that turtle dove. She saved his life, and he gave her a turtle dove that he re-gifted from somebody else. Don't give Christmas ornaments as presents. 
I would argue that the turtle dove is more symbolism. It's symbolic of their friendship, and it's more of saying, you were a friend that I made. How dare I judge you sure, when I was scared also, in the park alone? it was like 300 yards away from the plaza in the, like, where his whole family was staying in a suite, and she's just sitting outside with a handful of bird seed in the middle of a blizzard. Maybe, maybe a hot shower. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a tuna sandwich, a cup of coffee. What is she going to do with a, a turtle dove? Gonna hold on to it and cherish it forever. Know that she made a friend for the first time in a long time. You gotta let she your heart. You gotta let your heart open. She always says. Um, no, those were good. Those were really good. Um, I. By the way, did you see the Kevin McAllister? Um, well, I guess Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, the commercial. The, the Google ad. Best ad good. of best ad of the holiday season by far. Not even close. Let's close with it. Might mean too much. Fitting that in this post early signing period podcast that we close with uh, the ultimate. It might mean too much. Really for for signing day. Dax Hill, the guy that we brought up before, the kid who was originally committed to Michigan, and then he flipped to Bama, and then on signing day, he flipped back to Michigan. So, a pastor decided to tweet at Daxton Hill. Oh, pastor Tim Coleman tweeted at him, Welcome to the mediocrity in Ann Arbor. Low-character guys deserve Harbaugh. So then, Michigan recruiting director Matt Duda claps back with a, a tweet uh, that had a screenshot of this saying, Peace be with you, Pastor. <laughs> so later, uh, the the Pastor Coleman. This is the best part. He comes out and apologizes, and he has a tweet at Dexon Hill saying, I apologize for my delay in responding. I was at a funeral. Sick brag. I want to express my deep regret for the tweet I tagged you in today. In my haste to see how signing day was going, I made a foolish tweet to you. I deeply regret those words and ask forgiveness. I wish you the best. Why were you at a funeral thinking about this at all? Well, it was before the fu- he was at the funeral after he tweeted. So it was just he's like, oh, I'm gonna be at this funeral all afternoon. I gotta check up on signing day. I gotta make sure that I I tweeted the recruits who didn't commit to Bama. You know, I just I feel like if you're a pastor and you're you're going to a funeral, or even if you're not a pastor, if you're going to a funeral, maybe maybe the recruiting stuff isn't you know. It shouldn't be top of mind. I'm pretty sure I left my grandma's wake uh, early, though, so I can go watch Bama Mississippi State in 2015. Did you really? I mean, it was already over. Like, they just they were having cake. Still, come on, man. Come on. I mean, I was, I was there. For, okay, you know what? <laughs> this made the round so well today. I, just, was... I, I had cried for like six straight hours. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I, I just went home. Now you need a little place to, to be able to escape funerals. Um, you could really just, this story, I, I think you could have made it up and it still would have been believable. Um, that's that's yeah. what's so great about it. But Daxon Hill, getting his career off, <laughs> started off with a bang. Um, I really wish I didn't bring up that story about my grandma's funeral. Oh. <laughs> Patty Sue is not going to like that. Um, all right, no five-star reviews today. Little little motivation to everybody. If you have not sent us a five-star review, you know what? You should. You're going to get your name heard on the SDS podcast. We're going to talk about how great you are. You can, you can give us a five-star review and just get just make fun of us. I mean, that's basically what the person you know, complaining about sick brags do. But... I mean, we're a little bit sensitive, and if you want to just boost our egos instead, we're not going to stop you from doing that. But I'm just saying, throw in a little five-star review. You know, you, you pretend like you're drinking some eggnog. Everybody has a happy holiday. We yeah. have we have some so little little housekeeping here. Instead of, in lieu of a Monday podcast, I think that the, the tentative plan 
is we're gonna come out with a Christmas special episode that's going to come out on Sunday. As we mentioned on Monday, it's gonna be with our good friend Josh Need of SEC Shorts. We're gonna do a bunch of different Christmas superlatives uh, across the SEC. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, you're gonna definitely wanna to listen to that. And then, so that's, that's gonna come out on Sunday. And then a week from today, so next Thursday, the Thursday after Christmas, which also marks the first day of SEC Bowl games, Vandy plays Baylor that night, we are going to have our Bowl Preview podcast come out. As we mentioned, we have an interview with Peach Bowl CEO, Gary Stoken, um, really good stuff. Um, you know, we, if you've... You've probably heard him on this podcast before. We've, this is our third time that we've had him on, but talked a little bit of UCF stuff and talked about just the, the overall dynamics of this matchup with, with Florida and Michigan and just some of the, the work that he's been a part of. So that was a lot of fun. You're definitely going to want to listen to that. So uh, Facebook Live, we got any Facebook Live coming up this weekend or is this just Monday now? Um, I think we're going to do it Saturday. I don't, I don't remember. Um, I think we're going to do it Saturday. And then, yeah, from now on, though, we'll be doing them on every Monday. We'll definitely do a bowl preview before uh, December 27th, all that good stuff. But, yeah, so I guess tune in next week. Yes, stay tuned. Still got plenty of stuff coming. Uh, we're going to – we'll give you all the reasons that you need to escape uh, escape boring holiday conversations and look on your phone and just follow all things SDS as always. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS pod, at CMarler, SDS, at CJ O'Gara. Coach Joe, take us out. I'm trying to break up. I'm scared. It might mean too much. Talk to you Sunday. <laughs>